All right, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome uh, to Bible study. We are in chapter 3 of our confession of faith of God's decree. Uh, we're going to be in this chapter for quite some time. Last week, we just sort of scratched the surface, so we're going to uh, continue our study uh, on God's decree, also known as the sovereignty of God. So if you have your Bible study, if you have your confession, I'm in paragraph 1 of chapter 3, uh, and we are just looking at really the first sentence, but I'll read the whole paragraph. God has decreed in himself from all eternity by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably, all things whatsoever come to pass. Yet so is thereby as God neither the author of sin nor has fellowship with any therein, nor is violence offered to the will of the creature, nor yet is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, rather established, in which appears his wisdom in disposing all things and power and faithfulness in accomplishing his decree. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, we have this opportunity to dive into the seeker counsel of your will. Father, as we dive into this topic, I pray that you would lead us by your word, by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would grow our love for you and love for others. God, help us as we seek your word to learn of your sovereignty, God, that it would give us peace, give us a heart to worship, to adore you. Uh, Father, our maker, creator, sustainer of all things. God, we pray for those traveling here, that you would keep them safe, prepare our hearts and minds for our corporate worship here in a bit. Lord, we thank you, we give you honor and praise in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're continuing the topic of God's decree, uh, also known as the sovereignty of God. Uh, A.W. Pink, in his book, Sovereignty of God, says, uh, says it this way. He says, quote, To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is the almighty the possessor of all power and heaven and earth so that none can defeat the counsels or none can defeat his counsels or warp his purpose or resist his will the sovereign of god of scripture is absolute irresistible and infinite to put it now in its strongest form he says we insist that god does as he pleases only as he pleases always as he pleases um, yeah, always as he pleases. That whatever takes place in time is but the outworking of that which he decreed in eternity. End quote. So the, the confession begins in paragraph 1 and 2, covers the, uh, the broadness of God's sovereignty. That God is sovereign over all things. Okay, and we're going to dive into that. And then in the rest of the paragraph, in paragraphs 3 through 7, then the framers tackle the specific sovereignty of God over salvation. Uh, Psalm 115.3 says, But our God is in the heaven. He does whatever he pleases. So today we're going to continue to look at this first sentence where it says, God has decreed in himself from all eternity by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably, all things whatsoever come to pass. And when, we, when we're learning of the sovereignty of God, we first have to understand that we're really, I think a theologian put it this way, we're playing in, in the shallow end of the, the vast deepness of the counsel of God's will. Okay? 
But God does reveal to us in His will that He is absolutely sovereign over all things. And we're going to go through this list of seven areas by which God's decree is inclusive of. But when we're plumbing the depths of God's sovereignty, although there will be and there is tension between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, and we'll get to all of those tensions and all of those uh, challenges that we have, uh, although there is tension there, when we're, when we're learning of the sovereignty of God, it should grow our love for Him. Uh, because He is in control. In the midst of all the chaos that we see in this world, that we're experiencing, that we're seeing with our eyes and hearing with our ears, uh, when we learn of the absolute sovereignty of God, that He has declared and decreed all things from eternity, whatsoever shall come to pass, it ought to grow our love for Him and our confidence in Him. But not only our confidence in Him, but confidence in the gospel. Right? Because he says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church by which I will build. But, and it will also increase the peace that we have in the midst of the chaos going on in the world. And the sovereignty of God, the more that we dive into this topic and learn of it, it should be the fuel that drives us, that gives us the courage and fortitude to do spiritual battle for the kingdom of God and to not have a retreat and defeat mentality as so many Christians have. Okay? There's absolutely nothing outside of God's decree. God's decree is both universal and specific. The Bible teaches that all events are included in God's decree. So last week we started going through this list of seven. If you're taking notes, now's a good time to take notes. God's decree is included in all events. We looked at last week that God's decree is inclusive of both good events and evil events. And then we started to go into number two, which is God's decree is inclusive of even the sinful acts of men. Remember last week we went through Genesis 50, the account of Joseph. I won't rehash that. Uh, I did record last week's Bible study and recording this one's too, so it is online. You can listen to that. But we went through how God was sovereign and his decree was inclusive of the, the free will of Joseph's brothers when they chose to try to kill him and then sell him to slavery. And we saw that that was all part of God's plan, right? So we're going to continue that, that God's decree is inclusive of man's sinful acts. So if you have your Bible, open up to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, that is right before Psalms. If you have your Bible. If you don't have your Bible, you're in the wrong place. I tell my kids on the way to, way to church, what is the most important thing to bring to church? Of course, they say you're close. And I say, well, that is the most important, but your Bible is a close second, okay? Uh, it's the most important thing, and I, I realize we have it on our phones, but there's nothing like having the hard Bible, and plus when you have it on your phone, it's easily to be distracted with other things. So, bring your Bibles. Job chapter 1, we know the account of Job. Look at verse 11. This is Satan speaking to, to God. He says, But send forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. What's God's response? Verse 12. Then Yahweh said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. 
Only do not send forth your hand towards him. So Satan went out from the presence of Yahweh. So then in verse 13 through 19, we see all these calamities happening, right? Okay. He loses his cattle. He loses his servants. He loses his, his children. And a couple of things to point out. There's some sinful actions going on here. Look at verse uh, 15. When a messenger came and said, The Sabaeans fell upon uh, the oxen and the donkeys, and they also struck down the young men, his servants, Job's servants, with the edge of the sword. So they get attacked by this foreign crew, this evil event. And then the same thing, the Sabaeans come again. Um, We see that. Or the Chaldeans, verse 17. They come and raid the camels and strike down the young men with the edge of the sword. So all these people are being killed. These evil events happening, right? Taking away the things that Job has. Who's responsible? These are evil events, right, by the Chaldeans, the Sabaeans. They willfully chose to go... Chaldeans, the people who did the act are responsible. Yes, yes. They willfully chose to go kill these men. Behind the scenes, we see Satan using his craft to do his bidding, right? But look look at what Job says in verse 21. In his response to losing all this, he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. Yahweh gave, and who takes away? Yahweh takes away. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. So this is the difference, and we'll get into this in the upcoming weeks, the first and secondary causes. Okay, R.C. Sproul termed um, a theological term called concurrence. When this stuff was happening, there were two things Two wills happening at the same time. Man's will by his hatred and killing and, try- and taking the cattle, but ultimately God's will was happening at the same time. And yet the confession is careful to point out that God is not the author of evil. He uses it as part of his plan to accomplish his will. Okay? And, and we'll get to all those things, but right now we're just diving in how God is absolutely sovereign over all things, including man's sinful acts. Okay? So now turn to Luke chapter 22. We'll look at a couple more examples in the New Testament. Luke chapter 22, verse 22. So this is Jesus speaking of Judas. Okay? For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been, what? Determined. Determined. Okay. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So you see the same concurrence happening here, right? With the Chaldeans and the Sabaeans and Job. You see Jesus saying that the Son of Man, he's going to go just as it had been predetermined. And the, But the one who does it, woe to him. So you have two wills. Judas freely chose to betray Jesus, but even that was part of God's ultimate plan and fit in his plan of redemption for mankind. And so something similar happens in the book of Acts. Turn to Acts chapter 2. We are going to work out our Bibles today. 
Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 23. This is Peter at Pentecost. These men are drunk, right? Acts chapter 2, verse 23. He's speaking, this is his first sermon, right? He says in verse 23, this man, he's speaking of Jesus here, right? This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and, and foreknowledge of God. Stop right there. Predetermined in the Greek is prerozo, okay? It literally means to determine beforehand. The predetermined plan. And that word means decree or the counsel or the purpose. So again, read it. Speaking of Jesus, he says, This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of lawless man, men and put him to death. So again, you have the same concurrence happening as R.C. Sproul coins the term, right? You have the first cause and the secondary cause. The first cause is God's predetermined plan from the foundation of the world. So it says in Revelation, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You have the predetermined plan of God before the foundation of the world and using the willful acts of Judas to betray him so that he would, the Son of Man would go just as it had been determined, as Jesus said in Luke chapter 22. Now, as I mentioned last week, the, the decree of God, uh, it's called the eternal decree of God. The things that he decreed from the foundation of the world before the world began are eternal because he is eternal. Okay, so for those of you that weren't here last week, uh, I'm just going to repeat for those who are here. That means there was never a time where God said, hey, I'm going to make man. Hey, I'm going to let him fall into sin. I'm going to send a redeemer, my son. I'm going to make him be betrayed by Judas. Because his decree is eternal, that's been his eternal plan. There never was a time where he made all this stuff up. Does that make sense? Because he's outside of time. Need the mind blow emoji at this point, right? So he's not making it up as he goes. He's not making it up as he goes. This is part of his essence, his attributes. He is eternal, and is, as, as he has revealed to us, right, his decree is also uh, eternal. Now flip two chapters over to Acts 4. It gets even more clear that God's decree includes man's sinful acts. Chapter 4, four verse 27. So this is after uh, John and Peter were imprisoned. They were released from prison, okay? They go back, it says to their companions, and they praise the Lord, and they say this, verse 27 of chapter 4. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, look at verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. So again, that word predestined is the same word, uh, erodzo, in the Greek, which is to determine beforehand. So let's read it again. That these people, Herod, Pontius Pilate, 
with the Gentiles, and they all conspired freely out of their own evil inclination to crucify Christ. It says, they all did whatever, whose hand? Thy hand, your hand, Lord, your hand and your purpose. They did everything that your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Now then again, park your questions, okay? Jot them down because we're going to spend one Sunday and just handle all these questions. Well, if that's the case, then is God the author of evil? And we're going to go through that, okay? But again, right now we're just doing a survey of the Bible on how God's decree includes all of these things, including man's sinful acts. So they did all these evil things against Jesus. They did all these things, whatever God's hand and his purpose predestined to occur. Okay? Now, God, God's decree is over good events. God's decree is over evil events. We looked at those last week. And we just looked at God's decree is over man's sinful acts. Now we're going to look at man's, uh, God's decree is over man's, not just sinful acts, but their free acts, right? You all had free will to come here today. You made a choice. And at the same time, God decreed from the foundation of the world that you would be sitting here right now listening to this guy talk, okay? Turn to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. Someone read verse 1 with a nice, long, strong voice. God's decree is over the free acts of man. So man has free will, and there's a chapter on free will, but the free will is only in, in accordance with his nature. Okay? God is truly the only one that is free and can do whatever he pleases. Uh, but even the free acts of man, it says here, the plans of the heart belong to man. We make our plans, but it says Yahweh. What's your version say, Brian? Verse 1. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And then look at verse 9, same chapter, 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but Yahweh directs his steps. We plan our way, but ultimately God establishes and directs our steps. Okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So again, park your questions because we're going to tackle the idea, the Objection is, well, if everything's already determined, what's the use? Okay? Uh, uh, fatalistic mentality. All right? But again, the sovereignty of God, rightly understood, should not bring us to the point of fatalism. Just, uh, whatever, it's no use, whatever. It should actually fuel our fire to then go do God's will. And we should come to the point where we are okay of holding these two truths in tension because they are in tension with each other. Okay? We won't go through it in this class, but then if you go down the logical conclusion of the other ways, okay, you end up in some very bad theological errors and even into heresy. All right? So now let's look at Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10. Oh, whoops, wrong way, Mark.
Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. All right, so this chapter, uh, God's people are being rebuked for their idol worship, okay? Uh, Jeremiah 10, verse 23. And Jeremiah says, I know, O Lord, or O Yahweh, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it a man who walks to direct his steps. He's acknowledging the sovereignty of God. A man's way is not in himself, nor it is, is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. Matthew Henry says of this passage in Jeremiah 10.23, he says, quote, The prophet here acknowledges the sovereignty and dominion of the divine providence that by it, and not by their own will and wisdom, the affairs both of nations and particular persons are directed and determined. So God's decree is over the free acts of man, men. That's number three. Number four, God's decree includes all occurrences that we would say are accidental, random, or chance. Okay? Turn to 1 Kings chapter 21. Here's an interesting account that shows that even the most random or what we would say are accidental events are all part of God's decree. Freak accidents, right? We hear that. All right, so 1 Kings chapter 21, starting in verse 17. Then the word of the Lord of Yahweh came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, Go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says Yahweh, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says Yahweh, In the place where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, the dogs will lick up your blood, even yours. So God tells Elijah to tell Ahab, that you're going to die, and these dogs are going to lick up your blood, okay? So now go over to uh, 1 Kings 22, next chapter, verse 28. Beginning at verse 28. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, excuse me, and Micaiah said, if indeed... If you indeed return safely, Yahweh has not spoken by me. And he said, listen, all you people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up against Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, king of Israel was Ahab. This was the prophecy that you're going to die now and the dog is going to lick up your blood of Naboth. Okay? The king of Israel, Ahab, says to Israel, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your garments. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Aram had commanded the 32 commanders of his chariots, saying, Do not fight, small or great, but with the king of Israel alone. Now it happened that when the commanders of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that's the king of Judah, they said, Surely that's the king of Israel. And they turned aside to fight against him, 
and Jehoshaphat cried out. So it happened that when the commanders of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. Okay. In the meantime, Ahab is there disguised. They were going to go attack. Okay, that's not him. And they started retreating back. Now look what happens in verse 34. Now a certain man, or you could say a random man, drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel. So here you got some random guy just like, eh, I got a bow. And that's the picture it gives. It's random. And to Ahab in disguise in battle, boom, hits him. Okay? Yeah. Uh, and uh, struck the king of Israel in a joint of the armor. Just some little opening in his armor. Okay? So he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and take me out of the fight, for I am severely wounded. Not only that, he was in the chariot. Pretty random. Uh, now the battle raged that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot in front of the Arameans and died at evening, and the blood from the wound ran into the bottom of the chariot. Now look at verse 38. And they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up the blood. Now the harlots bathed themselves there according to the word of Yahweh which he spoke. So here you have a random event. What, what people would say is a catastrophic, you know, uh, what did I say? How, what did I say, say earlier? Uh, freak accident, right? And all of that was part of God's predetermined plan. We knew that because he actually just prophesied the chapter before that that would happen. So God had it happen exactly the way that he determined uh, it would happen. Using this random bow from this certain random person, they weren't even fighting, and wounds him, kills him, blood, blood droops, dogs lick it up. Nothing is accidental or random that happens in our universe. R.C. Sproul said there's not one molecule that is rogue against the sovereignty and the decree of God. It's all part of his plan and decree. Not only is God's decree over these random accidental occurrences, here's where we really get into some some good study. God's decree is over every single detail of your life. Turn to Job chapter 14. He's not only over every single detail of your life, he's over every single detail of all of the universe. Job chapter 14. Say 14. He even determines exactly where, down to the millimeter, whatever smaller than a millimeter, where every lightning will strike. And that's what Job says. Job 14, verse 5. Since his days are determined... Oh, I'm ahead of myself. That's not... We'll get to that. Um, Job 14, verse 4 and 5. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. Since his days are determined, man's days, the number of his months is with you, and his limits you have set so he cannot pass. So God is over every detail of your life, meaning you. he determines when you were born, the second... He determines the second that you will die. Can't remember which Puritan said it, 
But he encouraged Christians by saying, you are immortal until God has determined you will go. I love that. Now, now we're not going to be stupid, right? And go jump off three-story, I'm immortal, and yeah, God's going to allow you to die. Okay? Uh, but that should give us fuel and, again, encouragement and confidence. All right? Now go to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to end here. Matthew chapter 10, because this... If you're taking notes, again, this is number five, that God's decree is over every single detail of your life. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 29. Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for an Assyrian? Denarii, I don't know what your version says. And yet not one of them, one of the sparrows, one of the birds, will fall from the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Now that doesn't mean he, he just like knows how many hairs are on your head. He actually numbers them. He determined how many hairs would be on your head. Some more than others. Okay. But when he says... Are not two sparrows sold for an Assyrian, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart or without your father. This word is anew in the Greek, which means without one's will or intervention. Particularly when it's used with a person, getting a little technical here, when it's used with a person, okay, not one will fall apart from your father. When that word anew, apart, is used with a person in a certain case, which is called the genitive case in the Greek. I know that means nothing to a lot of y'all. But when that's used, what that denotes is that whatever person it's reflective of, nothing will happen apart from that person's will, apart from that person's intervention. So it's not that God knows when the bird's going to fall out of the sky dead. He says, not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's predetermined will and intervention okay god's decree is not only over our lives in general but god's decree is over our lives down to the very minute detail and over all of the details of nature so an example would be like every fall what happens to the leaves they fall okay someone's paying attention uh, and what happens to them before they fall? Sorry? They, they change colors. But do y'all know they don't actually change colors, right? Do you, you know, what, what, what happens? They lose their core. Home, yeah, okay, our homeschool families, we know. The colors are actually what's underneath the chlorophyll, the green. Okay, so they actually lose their green, right? Okay, so God not only, and this is an example to show how God's determined plans over all the details. He didn't only decree that every fall, all of the trees in your yard would fall. That's a general decree. He not only decreed that, but he ordained every single leaf in your yard. And he determined when each molecule of that leaf would lose its green chlorophyll at what second of the day. And he determined the exact minute when it would fall from that tree He determined which way the wind would blow and where it would fall to the ground. That is God's sovereignty. 
That is God's decree. He is over all of those details and everything in between. So we've got two more to go through. We'll go through these next week. We'll see how God's sovereignty is over the affairs of the nations and how God's sovereignty is even over the final destruction um, of the wicked. But as I mentioned, when, you, when the questions arise, because they will, uh, we're going to address those, and the confession actually addresses the questions in the paragraph. But again, right now, we're just doing a survey of the Bible on how, what God's decree includes. So, uh, any thoughts, questions, or comments before we end in prayer about anything we covered today? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much, Lord, uh, for your word. God, we thank you that, Lord, you have everything in view of your plan. And God, we may not know, and we don't know, how all of these calamities and chaos and wars and tyranny and evil and all of this fits into your plan. Lord, we can't answer that. But God, what we do know is what you have revealed to us in your word, that you use all these things And you are using these things, Father, to accomplish your will for our good, for your glory, and to advance the kingdom of heaven. Help us, God, to grow in our love for you and our adoration for you as we learn of this great doctrine. Help us to handle it with care. Help it to fuel the right motives, the right actions. Love for you, love for neighbor. Now, God, as we turn to our corporate worship, Lord, be with us. Pray that your Holy Spirit would dwell with us as we worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you. Class dismissed.